He had seen too many sudden or lingering deaths to believe in anything other than what lay before his eyes. Tonight, in a bitterly cold, cheerless room, he had been in the presence of yet another expiry. This time, the lamentable drawing out of a bundle of wasted bones that had once flexed iron muscles deep underground. He had known the old collier for nigh on thirty years, had listened to his confession and shaken his head many times at the grey and sad ordinariness of sin. Yet the cold glaze in the collier's eyes, as he gripped his hand like a drowning man, had confirmed for him once more the chilly finality of that moment. Even the man's last discernible utterance, that had brought spiritual solace to his wife, carried an ambiguity not lost on the old priest. Jesus! Now, as he made his way home, careful not to lose his footing on the thick hard snow, he reached out to fumble against the chalky brickwork of the alleyway that ran at the back of the long row of terraced houses. His hand felt wet. And he remembered how, in summer, the walls often oozed slime, like pus from the crevices in the bricks, where the ordure from the pale closets beyond produced a sickly, rank-smelling dampness. From the muted stench all around him, he gathered the muck men were long overdue. It wasn't a task he envied, especially in those hot summer months. And yet, with a wry smile, he reflected how, in the old debating classes he used to enjoy so much in the seminary, he'd have drawn some metaphysical link between the two callings of priest and muckman. Both deal with the filth of man, both get closer to it than they would like, and both help to clear the mess, leaving closet or soul clean once more. He stopped to wipe a smear of slime down his topcoat. The moon had long ago drifted behind thick cloud, and the subsequent gloom had settled on the place like a heavy shroud. Even the occasional screech from invisible windows a few yards away, as some marital dispute kept the combatants awake, seemed muffled, deadened by the density of an approaching storm. Not more snow, surely. He leant his shoulders against a wall, and allowed himself the sad luxury of a sigh. Father Brady's here now, the old woman had said to the dying man, as if somehow he carried with him the mysticism of revival. He recalled the look in the children's eyes, huddled in the furthest corner of the room, as far from the terror on the bed as they could get, yet fearful of what lay on the dark stairs beyond the door. Their eyes flickered with hope as they registered the white of his collar and the magic he performed every Sunday with a piece of bread and a goblet of wine. Perhaps tonight he could show them some more of that mystic art. Suddenly an oil lamp flared above his head and brought him back to the present. He looked up, saw the looming shadows of a bedroom and curtains drawn back so that he could catch some of the light from the lamp. A black, monstrous shape moved grotesquely along the bedroom wall, distorted even more by the swirls of ice that had laced themselves along the window. It stood upright, its elongated head held high. 
He recognised the attitude and smiled, hearing the faint sound of the piss rattling in the pot. Now, as he looked down the alleyway, thanks to the dim yellow cast by the lamp, he could see the curve in the wall that led to a narrow ginnel, the one he'd missed in the darkness. With a shivered nod of gratitude to the unknown source of light, he pushed himself from the wall, felt once more the slithering wetness of slime against his flat palm, and walked quickly towards the narrow gap that led to the terraced street. As he was emerging onto the long sweep of terraced houses, he heard something, a faint gnawing that somehow repulsed him. Then there was a skittering and a squeaking behind him. In the blackness of the narrow archway he had just traversed, he must have disturbed a nest of rats. All along the tunnel-like gap there were obscure, cancerous cavities in the walls, some as